<laughs> intro song is fucking incredible, Ragnar. Please, Monroe. Please, Monroe. Please, Monroe. Hello and welcome to another episode of Calling Monroe, the best podcast in the universe, according to me. I'm joined here in Iceland by my friend Gucci Mane, Big G. How you doing? Good day. I'm good. Ah, good day. Are you? You seem sprightly today. Are you? Are you in a good mood? I'm happy. <laughs> are you happy because 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 uh, our last episode had the best opening days ever for our podcast? Yes. And we have a new president. Oh yeah, it's, Iceland has a new, the new same president. It's a new same president. Yeah, that's unprecedented. <laughs> Oli, you know, Oli, our guest last week, he actually he's gone sea swimming with the president of Iceland. Oh fuck! Yeah, multiple times, I think. I mean, Oli is pretty cool. He is pretty cool. People loved him. Uh, yeah, either that or he just has a lot of friends. Because we had our most popular episode yet, so we are we're bona fide superstars. Should we tell Monroe? No. No, fuck Monroe. Yeah. Uh, nah, let's let's tell him anyway. It's your call. It's your call. Let's call Monroe. Yeah. What's up, folks? Hey, Hello. Monroe. <laughs> I am psyched for today's episode. Are you? Yes. Why? Why? Uh, why? Yeah. Why? Uh, I had a big week. To be fair, I had a big week. In what, what way? Does, what does that mean? Spiritually or sexually or? So last week in the episode. Ragnar very eloquently put how the the that saying love uh, or saying I love you to someone has mm-hmm. no actual weight behind it. Excuse uh, me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. No, 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 no. It, it always <laughs> it has, has no, it always has a weight has, for me. I was saying it has. It's like the ultimate gentleman's agreement. It has full weight on an emotional level, just not on a legal level. Like you can't well, be prosecuted for disrespecting it, but like it still has an effect within its realm, which is the relationship. I took this uh, comment yeah. to heart and okay. proposed to Mel. Are you serious? Yeah, baby. Ah! And she said yes. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. she said no, and I'm single. <laughs> oh, bitch. <laughs> Holy shit, that's amazing. Congratulations. You Thank you. L- legitimately have not told us until now. Yeah, I know. I know. You, you know, you yeah, know, you, you know, in the, I don't know you that well, so I don't really care. <laughs> oh my god uh, this opens up this opens up a whole world of topics oh, for today's episode does. this is beautiful it does uh how long have you been together nine years holy shit nine years that's since 2000 which made, made mel's little little joke after i proposed quite funny after after i did it she said uh oh but don't you think people may think we're moving a bit too fast <laughs> but you could actually be like having three children and married for five years. Yeah. Yeah. But <coughs> if I... you had a child when you've burped the podcast, first of all, uh, that was early on for Mel. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> if you had had a child in your first year of being together, that child would be maybe eight years old by now. That oh, wouldn't God. be maybe eight years old. It would be eight years old. <laughs> ah, <yeah. laughs> this, this is back to your maths. Was it last week? Which you're like, how many months? How many months are there in five years? At least Something forty. Like, at least forty, but maybe a hundred is what Ola said, and he's a statistician. Yeah. So, and the I, I smashed the proposal, if I may say so myself. It, okay, hit me. What does that mean? Uh, as in, I nailed it. I I did a good. I, boy done. Boy gone done good. Describe. Elaborate. Yeah. So okay. it was. Uh, treasure hunt, which started at oh, nice. seven a.m., and oh. we got home again at midnight. Ha, ha, what What was the like financial worth of the <laughs> of the of the prize? <laughs> the prize was me, which is priceless. Actually, uh, a human life. Let's 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 uh, value of a human life. Okay, okay. in dollars. Uh, you gave her so, your life. NPR.org says uh, human life is valued at around ten million dollars. Yeah. So the way they the way they calculate this 
um, is is kind of funny that the way they do it. So there's a there's a metric that they have. I can't remember what it is. It's called the quart quart something quart something. See if you can find it, Ragnar. Um, and basically, I mean, it's, the, this is it's like when the, my mom asks me to Google stuff. <laughs> you get absolutely no information. It's like, hey, can you Google this plate for me? <laughs> But it's basically the amount of risk. The the it's 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 a a one in a million. This this unit gives you a one in a million chance of dying. Uh, so if uh if there are, so I can't remember what it is. It's like quarter meters. We'll call it quarter meters for the sake of the podcast. It's not mm-hmm. the right thing. But if you so if you if some if doing an activity, say driving to work, had ten quarter meters, that would be a, a ten in a million chance of dying. And mm-hmm. then the economists calculated how much people were willing to, uh, how much effort, how much money people were willing to put in to avoid a one in a million chance of dying. And they calculated that out to be about $10. And then they basically just multiply that by a million to give you the worth of a human life at $10 million. Why would they multiply it by a million? Just because. Because then that's kind of the the definite chance of dying if it's a million out of a million i think is how it worked first of all to to be an asshole uh, if something is a one in a million chance yeah uh, a guaranteed like it's never going to be guaranteed of occurring but there's like uh, you can calculate when it's like essentially guaranteed to occur so like 99.99 whatever percent chances of it having occurred and that number is way higher than uh, a million like it's way higher than the number. If it's a one in X, it's way higher than X. Okay. So okay. like if you have a one in ten, I think about think about like a coin. You need to flip a coin, right? It's a one in two chance of getting heads. Mm. But in order to like guarantee that you're going to get a head at some point, you're going to have to flip it more than twice. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. It's a, why so uh, <laughs> why are you no. laughing? <laughs> yeah. You said it. No much. Oh, guaranteed chance of getting head? Yeah. <laughs> I missed <Sorry>. that. <laughs> uh, so it's a, it's a micromort. So a micromort is a one in a million chance of death. And it's, that's this, the, the um, unit used by statisticians. Okay. And that, so yeah, I'm reading this on, on NPR and this woman is explaining it essentially the same way, but using different numbers. So she's saying uh, if you calculate across all jobs, there's a, uh, one in 25,000 people will die on the job in a year. Uh, and it says to convince workers to take this risk, companies have to pay them an extra $400 a year. I don't know where that 400 comes from. Mm. Uh, so if I accept $400 to take a one in 25,000 chance of dying, uh, you just multiply the 400 by the 25,000 and then you get 10 million as well. So I guess it's just, it's like whatever exactly this like specific risk of death that you calculate in whatever way, if it's this yeah. like micro mort multiplied like- by the, the denominator in this. Are we talking about like every at every moment? Yeah, well, it's like for, this is calculated for a year. All right. Um, so it's per year. The way that the uh, the NHS does it, the National Health Service in the UK, they look at quality adjusted life years, so qualies. Um, yeah. oh, and cute sounding. So basically, one quali is uh, one year in perfect health. Um, and yeah. so they'll they'll look at a disease and they'll say uh, for for if we fund the treatment for this disease, what will the uh, how many qualities will this person get out of it? And I think mm-hmm. they give a life of value of about thirty thousand pounds a year in terms of what they're willing to put into it. I think I'm God, messing this up a bit. That doesn't that's seem right. Small... The, edit that bit out because that bit seems like. Bad. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it in. I'm gonna. Keep it. <laughs> I don't know. Looking at like the fucking salaries that people get in the UK, I wouldn't be surprised if they got thirty thousand pounds a year. <laughs> that is a shot at your country, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, let me. I've had a joke in my head for a minute now. Uh, would you say that they're playing Where's Quali? Hey. Eh, Did you, you know? see those funny uh, <laughs> Where's Wally memes that came out um, around the the start of the coronavirus when the internet meme game was strong? And no. uh, basically, it was just nobody in the pictures except Wally. Oh, nice. Yeah. I get that joke, I think. Yeah. I think I get it. I don't. It's... <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back to Quali, can I, get, can I just, I've, I've yep. Googled it now, so I think I know what the Quali thing is. Okay, nice. Yeah, Quali me. Um, so basically, they set the price at twenty to 30,000 per quality adjusted life year. So mm. they for every 
one year in perfect health you're going to get as a result of a drug, they're willing to spend twenty to thirty thousand pounds on you as an individual. Okay. Would you say that's low? I'd say that's probably a number that was uh, obtained through being pragmatic in terms of what we can afford rather than based on the actual value of human life, which I think is a sensible way around um, to do it. Uh, I mean, okay. Uh, another question. Another <laughs> question. What, like what, surely this uh, varies depending on what drug you're talking about and what disease, right? In terms of how much it would cost to treat someone, yes. And I don't think they use it as a hard and fast rule. I think there's some some wiggle room, as it were. Um okay. Because you wouldn't, like, if someone has, like, seasonal allergies, you wouldn't ever want to pay 30000 to treat that. But then, on the other hand, if someone has acute leukemia, you might want to go above and beyond that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm sure there's there's intricacies to it, um, which, based on the fact that my knowledge is clearly limited, <laughs> I'm not the right person to talk about. <laughs> Should we let's go for a full circle back to you and Mel? Uh, oh yeah. Why did we Why did we segue into the value of human? I don't life? know, but I liked it. Oh, it was because a fun he asked. Segue. You, no, you were telling us you started the uh, the treasure hunt at seven a.m. and Guyon asked you how much she wanted. He wanted the dollar value of, <laughs> yeah. of your prize, and we've yeah, yeah. determined it's either it's somewhere between thirty thousand pounds and ten million dollars. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so I think, I think we got that down. <laughs> so every every time someone proposes you, you have to say yes because all the word. Otherwise, you lose no. a lot of money. No, first, yeah. first, uh, first, you—if you're going to propose to someone, this is a, a good strategy. First, you hand them a briefcase full of money, the amount somewhere between thirty thousand and ten million dollars, depending on your on which way you lean in all this. If they say yes to that, then they have to say yes to your marriage proposal. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Otherwise, nice. they're a, a hypocrite, right? Yeah, yeah. Just by the the commutative isn't isn't it the commutative rule property? Sorry, you know uh, you know marriage is only a finance financial thing. Exactly. Yeah. By the, Noth- the nothing com- about commutative love, property, nothing about then they need yeah. to accept your your marriage proposal. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Good. So we've so tell me start at seven a.m. First of all, that's a dick move because I never want to be awake at seven a.m. She ever. did not want to be awake at seven a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so why did she say yes? She because say, I, don't, I have no idea. Well, wait till you hear about you the proposal. You then told, then you you'll see told, why she said yes. You haven't told us why. No, so, because you're, you won't let him. I, I, do, I, I do not see why at the moment. <laughs> uh, so it started off. So I, I woke up at 7 a.m. and said, oh, there's a parcel at the door. Uh, and I can't sign for it. They're needing you to sign for it, which is not a thing anyway. Um, yeah. So she goes to the door. No one's there, but there's a little note that has that kind of frames the day and says, your mission, should you choose to accept it, blah, 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 blah. And then there's a little parcel, and she opens up the parcel, and in it there are three jigsaw pieces, and there's a clue, which then hints towards a member of her family or one of her close friends. I, I think at mm-hmm. that moment she actually knew what was going to happen. She... Did not because, nah, because I've, I mean, I've not Monroe's been very... a little cutie. That's what probably happens every I mean, Saturday. Or yeah, so you do this every Saturday to her. <laughs> well, I've just not been very pro marriage for the last nine years, so this did come as quite a surprise to her. And then the note. So she found this note, got the hint for the next for the family member or whatever. Messages them. They then reply with a video. And that mm-hmm. video in, in them in that video, they are then saying a clue, which is the next location. And that that then gets repeated ten times throughout the day, and there were clues that were hidden halfway up a cliff face that she had to climb to. She had to hike up a gorge to get to one of the clues. She had to kayak to get to one of the clues. She had to oh, swim to an island to get one of the clues. She had to cycle, and one of the clues was submerged underwater. And then at the end, uh, all finished. With well, you're not there. You were not there with her. No, I was with her the whole time. I went with her the whole time. It's guider. Good. Here you go, love. I'm I'm away for go the time with the boys. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know what your answer is by the end of the day. <laughs> you're just sitting in a pub somewhere, getting <laughs> <laughs> poor Mel just lost in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, you must have thought about it. Oh so my think- God! Can he finish the story? <laughs> <laughs> I think the moment she kind of began to clock that something might be going on. So the the last one, the last clue was on an island, and so she swam in the lake to the island, and then as she was swimming back to shore, I kind of pushed her you over to a different bit to where we um, initially swam from, 
I was there. I was there. Yeah, I was, I was not at the pub. Um, and then we uh, we got to shore, and when we got to shore, we opened up to this bit that uh, I'd got one of my mates to set up, which had like a hundred pictures from the last nine years. Um, all printed on uh, sort of Polaroid photos with little captions at the bottom and lots of fairy lights around and there were nice white curtains hung up and stuff. And then we oh. went to that bit. And then all the 30 j- uh, jigsaw pieces that she collected throughout the d- whole day, she then put those together. And then they said, in Gaelic, will you grow wrinkly with me? Oh. Uh, and then I made a little speech and then proposed with oh my a horrible ring. You know, oh uh, my fucking! <laughs> I would, I would say yes. I yeah, say I yes would, now. Yeah, exactly. Marry I'll marry you. Now. I'll marry you at the moment. Honestly, Monroe, fuck you, because I, I can never propose to anyone who listens to this podcast. Because <laughs> that was, I'm, uh, I am a, a certified hater of. Uh, Podcast. Elaborate proposals. <laughs> You're a hater of podcasts. Yeah, I'm know, a certified hater of elaborate proposals. But I guess more specifically, like public proposals, I think they're tacky and, and horrible. Okay. Yeah, like these, these the Disney, the classic Disneyland thing, uh, I would rather die than go through with that. Almost, yeah. I think literally. Do you, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think it will happen to you at some time? No, because I'm. We happen to live in a society where it's expected of me to do it rather than my potential wife. Yeah. So I guess I don't have to worry about these sorts of things generally. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a hater of these things. But I thought that was fucking awesome. Like that was the perfect proposal. Boom! Smashed it. Yeah, it, like you've you've taken me a staunch hater, and just like I'm fully on board. Nice. Yeah. Holy shit. My my sister's husband. He. Invited her to Italy randomly one morning. I mean, that's pretty chill. Yeah. And when they came there, he proposed to her. With a little bit of Italian ice cream? Yeah. That's quite romantic. I like it. It was just randomly like, hey, should we go to Italy? He was like, what? Yeah, I have a flight ticket now in like two hours. I feel like if I did that, whoever I was with at the time would, like, almost regardless of who it was, I feel like it would always just be like, no, actually, I'm busy. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like oh, I like I have to go to work or like oh I have like Anna would be like oh I I have a match later this afternoon I can't go what the hell's wrong with you <laughs> I feel like I, why did you organize with me in advance like come on that's what, yeah no because like I feel like I would I would just fuck up this organization of it like I wouldn't I wouldn't remember that they had some thing going on but yeah I don't know I feel like if I had work to go to or I could go on this random trip to Italy I'd probably bail on work. So maybe I should yeah. have more faith in yeah, the people around so. me. Yeah, I think so. Holy shit, that's cool. Uh, it's cool that you got her family members in on it. You satisfied a tradition without satisfying the tradition of like asking her family for her hand in marriage. Yeah. Like you satisfied that without the sort of uh, unfeminist gesture that is asking her father for her hand in marriage. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you managed to, you ticked both I didn't trade sides no camels. That. Yeah, but I'm saying you like you managed to satisfy all sides of that. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, Ole and I we went to hot yoga. Oh yeah, together a couple of times, and there's nice. this one dude who teaches hot yoga here in Iceland, and he manages to say something at the end of the yoga class, which I find I, it's the perfect phrase, and my parents think it's ridiculous, but it's the perfect phrase because it's it's spiritual in a fully non offensive and like it doesn't step on anyone's toes and it's just this like respectful one human saying to another human something he says in icelandic which means like uh the light in me honors the light in you oh that's a class who who was that lady that did the sayings that you you bought me a keyring for <laughs> Susan Gale. Susan Gale. This sounds does like anyone, a classic. Susan Gale. Does anyone know who Susan Gale is? Susan Gale no. quotes. So if I search Susan Gale, all I get is Susan Gale quotes. Yeah. So who is this woman? Who is this mystery lady? <laughs> and they're all awful. Let's see if I can get some up. Memories are hand-me-downs from generation to generation. They may not seem special at the time they're given but they become more and more priceless as the years go by. So is she just a, a professional quote maker? I have no idea. Life, Ga- life just looks better from the porch. What is that? Oh. Feelings are just visitors. Let them come and go. Exactly. 
Uh, I just found the the picture that I that you sent me recently of the keychain. So this is a good story. I don't remember when we did this or why, but we we have matching keychains with Susan Gale quotes on. <laughs> yeah, we do, baby. Why why do we have them? I didn't get one. No, this was way before you weren't. This even was pre G, baby. Yeah. Oh, oh. Uh, it says a person may break your heart and damage your pride, but never ever give them the power to break your spirit. And then it it has this horrible picture of like a a bucking horse. Is it called bucking when they're like standing on yeah, their hind legs? Bucking, yeah, bucking. Yeah, and like a moon and grass and stuff. It's it's a bad key ring, and I don't know why we both have one. Because <laughs> well, I have one because you bought me one. Yeah, I bought I bought you them, but I don't. Uh, it's probably I buy you some. I buy you things. <laughs> he gives you crap. <laughs> you you also bought me stories to tingle your butt. Yeah, by Dr. Chuck Tingle. <laughs> that he should sp- nice. He should sponsor our podcast. <laughs> sounds nice. It does sound nice. Uh, speaking of quotes, holy shit, I just got a text from Anna. Yeah. Uh, and it is a quote. Nice. <laughs> so uh, we have to be we have to be like quite quite forgiving of this quote. Uh, no, not really. There's a. Uh, she said she found it on Twitter, uh, and I think she's probably sending it because she knows that we're. She might be saying it because it knows that we're recording the podcast roughly this time. It says, and I quote, a different version of you exists in the minds of everyone who knows you. What do you think about that? I like it. That actually yeah, it's feeds. True. Quite, it's true. It's pretty true. It feeds quite well into um, this concept that uh, I've kind of thought of a lot, actually. And I've thought of it since you're, you're the original person who put this concept in my mind, Ragnar. Um, oh shit! <laughs> and basically, when I so so, uh, I've broken broken my ankles twice. And um, once was when I was doing a kickbox lessons with uh, with Ragnar, where I literally stood on my own ankle and it just it just snapped. And okay, thank you for confirming this in a public place that it was your fault because every time it's brought up, you blame me. I well, do you, yeah. What do you do? You want to know? Makes you look even better. I yeah. then walked myself to the hospital, but fortunately, some kind Icelander realized I was hobbling and gave me a lift whilst you cracked on with your fucking kickbox lesson. Yeah, I, yeah whatever. I, I remember just being like, dude, just stand up. You'll be fine. Just walk it off. And you were like, oh, no, I, daddy, I can't. I can't walk it off. <laughs> but basically, I, I was then uh, in a cast for a while and you then very kindly took me to your work for lunch and stuff so I could hang out and do something during the day. And what surprised yeah. me then was that the version of you that I got when I was just hanging out with you was the same version of you that you were at work. Whereas for me, I act quite differently in a lot of places. So I have a so so the term I kind of came up with was personality integrity. So mm. I think some people could spend a lot of time with me in, uh, say, a hospital setting, um, and then they could listen to this podcast and be completely surprised at maybe how I'm speaking or the topics I'm speaking about or anything like that. And so I feel like I, I feel like I have a very poor personality integrity in that, you know, I give off a very different vibe to certain people and I'm not always giving my, my, uh, myself to people in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you have very high personality and integrity, I think. Nice. Yeah. I've, I've heard this before that, that I'm, I don't know. I don't, it feels weird for me to say that I have personality integrity because it seems like I'm, I'm, bragging but like i have heard this before that people say that i'm consistent across scenarios yeah i don't know part of it's good but part of it is bad like part of it is just like not caring about other people which like Mm. can be good can be bad (laughs) (laughs) so uh one of my mates has extreme personality integrity sometimes to his detriment sometimes to his benefit you can't Uh, have you can't have 100 percent personality (laughs) yeah not have it be bad (laughs) (laughs) so there's a good there's a good quote from hitch that he loves which is uh uh, when um, Will Smith's trying to tell the other guy, he's like, she wants to know the whole you, just not the whole you all at once. Uh, <laughs> but he gives you the whole of him all at once. But oh, his basic, nice. like, his workaround of that is, because I love getting the whole of him all at once, because I love him mm-hmm. and he's fucking great. <laughs> um, and, and his attitude kind of towards that is that anyone who's not enjoying it, he's just like, well... Not lifelong friends. <laughs> and then, so anytime he's with people and they're like either finding it a bit much or just not enjoying it, he's like, mm, 
No lifelong friends. I thought about this when I was on so when uh, Tinder when I used to do that that old game. I loved it before I ever started doing it, like swiping for someone else. It was my favorite thing in the world. And then when it came time for when I was single and it, I was doing the swiping, I fucking hated it. It was the worst thing in the world. But I remember mm. thinking when you chat with people and stuff, and then all everyone's gonna have these like little pangs of like self doubt of like, oh, what if what if they don't like me? What if someone doesn't mirror it? You know. And then I realized, I was like, well, then they just don't like me. And that's the filter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's like this guy. It's like, if people don't like him, then like, yeah, that's that's the filter he needs. That, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> and he's good. a wonderful human being. So I think it's ideal for me. I met a dude like this at a party this weekend. And he is just, he was so honest. And like, he just gave all of himself away right away. And nice. I love that. Have I told my, uh, my football bar date story with the guy at the party on the podcast before oh no i love this story so so this is kind of a a similar thing where i met a guy at a party um we kind of just gave each other like who we are we were and it it just like worked and it clicked and we just had a great time at the party and we really hit it off and then we were like oh we need to see each other again so we um arranged to go to uh, a bar for a date a couple of days later. Um, um, the, the, the date that we arranged was to go and watch a football match. Um, and so we both we both turned up to watch this football match, all ready to get into the football, have a pint, be a man, uh, uh, uh. Um, and then, and then we, we both realized that neither of us liked football at all. This was not, not either of our ideas of a good time. And we'd actually both used the same website to look up quotes to say during a football match. So it seems like you know what you're doing and you know, you know, like what's going on and stuff. And just oh like, oh, what a ludicrous display. Oh, oh offside, mate, offside. Just, oh my God. I can't. We were even more perfect for each other than we ever knew. <laughs> this is like this is straight out of a uh, bad rom com. <laughs> yeah. And like, Mel really needs to think about marrying you. I think because whether you're like no, because I think she'll be fine. Because uh, at best you're bisexual. Yeah, I'd agree with but that. But what you did, what you did was not a platonic thing. You were trying to. <laughs> you went on a date with this guy. <laughs> I mean, it was a man date. I mean, yeah, but, but like, yeah. it's okay. Like, it's fine. But you were you were heavily invested. Yeah, I was. I was. Is he on your list of ten? Unfortunately, Kyle and I lost contact, oh. and it just never quite, just never quite blossomed. Sometimes it, things just fizzle out, you know. Yeah. Well, he went away traveling, and then when he came back, I was living in Iceland for a year, and by that time, you know, we'd had two dates, and we'd both been separated for three years. And but yeah. shout, shout out, Kyle. Isn't it the the something flame burns the brightest? Sorry? The something flame burns the brightest? What's the short, the something, you know you know what I'm saying? Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Is that true, though? I don't think that's true always. I think that entirely depends on the uh, yeah, love. It's the same. It's, it's the same as never living, like we talked about last time. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the quote is by Lao Tzu. So shout out to Gongne in episode three, episode two or something. Uh, the flame that burns twice as bright burns half as long. That's you and Kyle. Yes, yes. But I actually disagreed uh, to pick you up on your point there, Gudjon. I think that the I, I agree with what you were saying in the last podcast after thinking about it. Like if I, because if you never know that you didn't, like if you never existed, you never know you didn't exist. So that's yeah. fine. But in terms of love, you're looking around and you've got, once you're alive, you then have a, you then see people around you in love and you have at least some idea of what you're missing at that stage. Um, but there's yeah, I mean, instances love, love of having love. love great. There's instances of having loved and lost that I would uh, rather erase from my existence and that I consider to be worse. Uh, like, yes. I would rather have not, I would rather have not loved at all in those cases yeah than to have loved and lost i was talking with mel about what it would be like if we broke up today okay and <laughs> we uh kind of agreed that in terms of we wouldn't we wouldn't regret the relationship because we've en- enjoyed the time we've spent together so if it just came to uh an end for whatever reason then it was still um 
as long as long as like the integrity of the relationship and what we viewed in our of of what we had remained, it would be fine. But then what we wouldn't like is the fact that we've just invested nine years getting to know someone and uh, are now at a stage in life where we're wanting to move on, think about kids and stuff. And we'd have to just start again with all of that, with someone new and try and find, and that would be the bit that would be annoying. This is the problem with uh, mortality though, isn't it? That like, uh, we're all just fucking uh, flies. Isn't it? What are those flies that live for a day? Ephemeral mayflies. Um, mm. One day insects that live for a day. They're the the exaggerated version of this. But we are it is the problem with mortality that like the the important stages they come and they go a little bit too quickly. Yeah. So there's a there's an eff- a psychological effect called the overview effect, um which mm. which kind of kind of relates to this. Um, I love this. I love this. Uh, yeah, it's good, isn't it? And it's the the effect of the on astronauts of seeing the earth from space. So they go mm-hmm. into space and then they see this tiny just blue dot against this mass around of 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 nothingness of space around them and mm-hmm. it gives them this sense of being in this together of the fact that the you know the the borders in the earth um are just sort of human constructs which i mean i don't want to say they don't have any they have very real bearings on earth but mm-hmm. ultimately you know we we do need to just kind of dig in and give give our neighbor a hug i was reading about this uh today there's some uh Muslim guy in Germany, uh, I don't have his name ready, uh, who was, he created like a haven for, for Jews during the Second World War to okay. protect them. This person basically used this as an example to say that like, people aren't your enemies unless you you decide they are your enemy. Mm. Uh, and then the replies to that was people being pedantic and stupid when they're like, oh, so the Jews shouldn't have... Uh, considered the germans their enemies because if they wouldn't have thought of them that way they wouldn't have been at risk so they totally just like misconstrued the whole thing uh on purpose mm-hmm. yeah Ugh. but it's a it's a good point i have a, a little segue about uh, about death that okay. relates to maybe everything that we're talking about it relates kind of back to the personality integrity thing that you were and the quote that anna sent me about uh that you exist as a different person in everyone's Mind. Uh, everyone's mind and this is from a book that i haven't read <laughs> called right. uh it's called some <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that to feel like summarizes up this podcast <laughs> yeah exactly yeah this is from a book that i haven't read <laughs> that that should be a susan gale quote <laughs> i know it's so it's a book that i haven't read but i do have uh, and I don't remember ever buying it, but I remember very many times coming across it on the internet during one of my travels and being like, oh yeah, this looks like something I should read. And I just haven't read it yet. But it's called Some 40 Tales from the Afterlives. Uh, it's a work of speculative fiction by neuroscientist David Eagleman. And it's about something. It's about something to do with death. But in any case, there's a good concept in it that I've thought about before. And I remember I wrote a song that was like based on this a few mm. years ago. And it's like something that I've cons- like thought about a lot. And the quote is, there are three deaths. The first is when the body ceases to function. The second is when the body is consigned to the grave. The third is that moment sometime in the future when your name is spoken for the last time. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I've heard and about it's that, that as well. Yeah, it's that third one that, is the interesting one. Yeah. And I guess that like that, that's also interesting. Cause like that's, that's you as, as the person that exists in the minds of others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've thought about, thought about a lot. And like, I've thought about whether it matters. Cause like what we talked about in, in the last episode, this, uh, the day after the day after you died, if the world ended, we talked mm-hmm. about that. And we've talked about a couple episodes back about like your legacy and you say you haven't really thought about your legacy and I say that I'd like sort of have and I guess mm-hmm. that ties into this and I'm not sh- like it's one of these things that like has a lot of weight in my head yeah. this concept of like the third death and it's something that I think about a lot uh, but I'm not like realistically if I could press a button and like make myself think that it didn't matter at all that would probably be better wouldn't it I don't know because I think I've uh, never thought about this ever <laughs> have you not Really, never. <laughs> I've, I've I've definitely thought about it a few times, and and I mean, obviously, like like you could take a very literal stance in it, and because it like it is just a it's it's a model of thinking rather than something which actually is. 
Um, but mm -hmm. as, as a model of thinking, I do like it. And it kind of puts value on the impact you have on the world and the people you connect with whilst you're here. And it mm -hmm. kind of ties into, um, there's, there's a concept about the attributes that you can have and the, you can divide the attributes that you've got into either resume attributes or eulogy attributes. So Ooh. it's either trying to build up, and, and I think mo most of us, a lot of the time, spend our time building up resume attributes rather than building up eulogy attributes. Um, when it probably should be the other way around, especially if you're wanting to um, think in terms of the way you're talking right now. That I've never thought about that like as a specific concept, but that but, is a but, good Rapper, concept. This doesn't matter. What do you mean? Why does it matter what people say about you after you die? I mean, it dep that depends on your like outlook on these things, doesn't it? Do you care? But you won't you, mind. You won't know. It, view it depends on a lot of different things, right? It depends on how you view like life versus the afterlife or these sorts of things. It also depends on how you value I just think like the your moment, community. The, mo the moment you die, you don't matter. No, but if you think about it, if you think, if you care about what people think right now, for example, about you and your concept of maybe you time, you don't view it as quite so like linear. You think of everything, like every moment as being maybe more important. You should uh, care. Like if you care about your afterlife, you should care in the moment. You should never do this shit that would make you look bad after. But if you take the example of uh, the chap that Ragnar spoke about earlier, um, who offered shelter to um, some Jewish folk during uh, the Second World War, we're talking about him now because he did uh, uh, something selfless and sacrificial mm -hmm. um, at that time. So he uh, so he acted well. I mean, there are lots of reasons why you talk about people um, further down the line, and a lot of them can be bad. You know, if you take Mao, for instance, uh, you know, people still talk about him because um, of a lot of bad things he did. But like what you do now does make a difference, and what and you know how the your family talk about you after you're after you're gone and the memories that they they look back on um with the, and the with with fondness or not does matter can i bring a thought here yeah okay. it's a question i often ask myself mm -hmm. is it better to be a farmer that nobody remembers in the 17th century mm -hmm. some farmer that nobody remembers or being hitler Farmer. It's basically, is, is it better to be infamous than not famous at all? It, it's yeah. better to be not famous at all, I go with. I do not want yeah. to be remembered. Yeah, I know, but still. A complete would, would you rather be not remembered or be remembered by something, if it, even if it's bad? Uh, you know, I reckon that farmer's kids remembered him coming home and putting food on the table quite a lot. Yeah, but that, that yeah. ends there. But I think, I mean, there's definitely people who, like, Hitler's an extreme example. But yeah, I think I meant, I, it's an that, extreme example. Yeah, yeah. But like, there, I think there's definitely people that go out of their way to be remembered for something that's maybe uh, inconsequential at, you know, at best and bad at worst, just because the thought of of dying and being forgotten is scary, and that's yeah. something that they don't want. So, like, I think the, I think a lot of people maybe if you pose the question like that, they would say farmer, but they won't necessarily live their life that way. Yeah, I guess maybe Hitler's a bit too an ex of an extreme example. Yeah, yeah that is the absolute mean, archetype of evil. But like, I don't know, like someone who, you know, becomes some sort of, you know, influencer, let's say, uh, in order to satisfy some sort of social anxiety that relates to being, you know, forgotten or something. And in doing so has, you know, a negative effect on people through, you know, whatever you want to say. Like that, that's a quite a tame example of, of someone maybe choosing to become, you know, famous for a bad reason, just yeah. in order to not be forgotten. What if you're this third death, you know, when your name is spoken for the last time, what, it, like, there might be someone, uh, probably, I mean, there's someone that believes everything, but there might be an individual who considers that to be uh, an incredibly important moment and like a, a bad moment that they want to delay for as long as they possibly and can. Like, you, you can imagine... Having you, don't, a, a, you don't even know when that moment's going to happen. No, but you can imagine having some sort of point of view where, like, for example, let's say you think that there's a heaven after you die, but you're only allowed to be there until your name is spoken for the last time. Yeah. In that case, you would you would become famous at the cost of almost anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm, yeah. There is a, um, a juicy statistic or a, a juicy statistical uh, concept 
um, okay. kind of about death that I could uh, I could reveal to you guys if you fancy. Absolutely. Um, so uh, it was uh, Tim Hartford who I gush over, who's an economist. I was listening to his podcast, mm-hmm. and he was mm-hmm. talking about. Um, hidden deaths, which is relevant at the moment in terms of um, coronavirus. And the example he used was um, that there was a, a train crash and the train crashed as a result of uh, little fractures in the railway line. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people died in the train crash. And so immediately afterwards... The train company and stuff are like, oh, we've got to act. We've got to do something. Like they need to, they need to act to make sure that um, this doesn't happen again. So one of the things they did was they um, slowed down all trains, yeah. meaning that if the accident did happen again, because they couldn't go around checking all the railway li- railway lines in time, if the mm-hmm. accident did happen again, then not as many people would die. Because uh, the mm-hmm. train would be going slower. But what they didn't take into account for were the hidden deaths and the unintended consequences. So as a result of the changes they made to the train service, mainly that it was being slower, mm. more people then chose to drive. And mm. there are now more people on the roads. And so mm. the stati- statisticians basically said, well, if you increase the number the number of people who used to be taking the public transport, and now you say they're taking their cars then that's going to increase the number of accidents on the road. And so by slowing down all the trains, you're actually causing more deaths by increasing the number of accidents happening on the road than you're saving in terms of if this accident happened once a year, for instance. I've I've read about this uh, specifically to do with September 11th, okay. where uh, because people became afraid of flying. Yeah. So the, the mm-hmm. death toll for 9-11 was 2,996 people uh, apparently including the hijackers. And then there was some German professor who just in the year after 9-11, because of people's uh, fear of flying and choosing to drive instead, an extra 1,595 people died in car accidents Damn. in America. Yeah, This sort of stuff I find super interesting, these like unexpected, quite complex sort of things. Like, it's very hard yeah. to predict. It's also in, uh, in a similar way, um, coal stations are far more dangerous than nuclear power plants because of the people that die as a result of the fumes, whereas nuclear power plants are going wrong, and when they do go wrong, killing any amount of people is very rare and unusual, Mm -hmm. Um, whereas there's sort of a much more guaranteed um, amount of people that are going to die as a result of the fumes from a coal plant. This ties into, if we're just going to bounce back and forth with uh, (laughs) with interesting facts, one of my favourite uh, this is good because it's a good fact, and it's also a great metaphor. Nice. So, oh, the best. The yeah, best. So I know. I've used this so many times, and this is good for you and me, Monroe, because we've both done kickboxing, even though you only showed up to, what, two classes? <laughs> yeah, and I broke myself. Boxing gloves. Uh, boxing gloves are one of these things that provide a an illusion of safety, mm-hmm. because when you punch someone with boxing gloves, you don't cut their face at all. So, well, like very, very little. So they don't look as hurt, but the impact of the punch is still being transmitted directly to their brain. So you still have the same risk of concussion from getting punched. And really you have more risk of of concussions and head trauma because you can take more hits to the face without looking hurt. Damn, yeah. So boxing gloves are this thing that like provides an illusion of safety that people, that gets people sort of to support it. So people Mm. want you know, to wear boxing gloves and want boxers to wear boxing gloves because it makes the sport safer when real in reality, it just makes it look tamer. Whereas if you had bare knuckle boxing, for example, people would be all cut to fuck like in MMA where they have very, very little padding on their hands. For example, yeah, you get really cut up and bloody and it looks really brutal and it looks animalistic, but really the, the concussions and head trauma, which is the, the bad injury that those rates go way, way down because like punching someone in the head, bare knuckle boxing, that hurts your, knuckles man so like you're gonna be punching the body first of all and people are just gonna look like shit when they're all bloody and then the the fights are gonna be called off this is a a a good metaphor as well because i've used this this concept a lot when talking about things like this where you do something because it seems like it sounds on the face of it like it will be beneficial because it covers up like a very specific and like easily noticeable ill whereas 
what it doesn't address is like the underlying actually bad thing that you know you won't see unless you're looking for it so if you ever exactly. if you're ever at a dinner party this is a good metaphor good yeah. juicy metaphor yeah i read like one of this like from national geographic yesterday that for some reason chimpanzees when they hunt an animal <laughs> yeah they first crack open the head okay and eat, eat the brain what what <laughs> For some reason, that's the first thing they eat. They just open up the head and eat the brain? Yeah, they bite it with their sharp teeth, Holy shit. open it up, and they take the brain out, and that's the first thing they eat. Dude, that, is, <laughs> that is terrifying. That, that it is was like some terrifying. idea that It was some idea that it has so much fat and lipids. That's, what, ah. that's, that's the most nutrition. Fuck. I thought I, don't know. Of, I thought cannibalist and cannibal communities you weren't supposed to eat the brain because you'd get disease a disease Kuru. from the brain. Kuru. Yeah, yeah, Kuru. Kuru. yeah. But, yeah. but think Prion about chimpanzees are that clever. Yeah, they don't know <laughs> They're not prions. as clever as us. But they do something. <laughs> for some but for some reason they do not do this when they hunt uh, baboons. What? When, they, <laughs> when there's a baboon they do not eat the brain first. Oh man! Just just imagine being in a scrap with your chip <laughs> mate and be like, "I'm gonna eat your brains, bitch." <laughs> I would honestly, chimpanzee ranks very high on the list of animals I would not want to fight. <laughs> so they, they they will they like they isn't it that they don't have this like break mechanism basically that like they will go so hard that they will tear their muscles apart because they, they like they don't brain. stop themselves like they will Clearly. they will <laughs> no but they will overexert themselves to the point where their muscles will snap if they like if they're in a rage Damn. yeah but Which they do this to humans do. yeah when they eat humans they have done that eating the brain they they crack open the skull first eat the brain first it's just so mafia yeah like, i don't it's know so why gangster. for some reason and it it was funny like while reading it they pointed out that for some reason, male chimpanzees, during courtship, chimpanzees, they give a female that is not ovulating meat to indicate that they want to mate with her. So they give them some, some of the brain? They, no, no, no. They give them meat. So not they don't give her a Haribo ring after that? <laughs> I'm sure they might give her brain. But for some reason, they give the female that is not ovulating, but however they want to mate with. The more okay. meat they give her, the more chance they have to sleep with her. <laughs> I, I respect female chips. <laughs> I am not going to comment on this. They just they they, they seem to value meat. <laughs> At the start of um, red. Mel and I's relationship, I did want to. I if it didn't work out, I was like, well, if this doesn't work out, at least become my my fat friend, and I'll just I'll just <laughs> I'll just add a bit of like diversity to the group, and I'll have a fat friend, and we'll just feed you a lot, and it'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I'm sorry, you're gonna make Mel your fat friend? Yeah, but she's not fat. Well, no, but I mean, she likes to eat, so I figured I could just bring her enough food, and then it would happen. So you would you envisioned a world where you didn't think it was going to work out, so you were going to feed her excessively until she got fat, and you made her your fat friend. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on your your marriage getting called off. After <laughs> you know, you know, Ragnar, Ragnar, Ragnar. Yeah. It it means bigger boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, and on that note, uh, does anyone have a skill for this week? I have. I don't know if it's Oh, you skill. do? Your first skill? Yeah. Okay. Nice. It's, it, it's not really a skill. Nothing we've ever said is a skill. It's, it, it's a recipe. All right. Okay. I mean, that's a skill, isn't it? Like, like... You just insulted every chef in the country. <laughs> yeah, in the world. The, the, res the recipe is, buy condensed milk. Okay. You know, it's in those cans. Like in cans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you, by that, you take the paper out. Okay. So it's just a can <laughs> yeah. with the condensed milk in. Mm. You boil it for two to three hours. Okay. It's a long boil. So yeah, you boil, you, you put like the can into water that's boiling? Yes. Okay. Do, you have to do you have to pierce it or something first? No, you have to make sure there's enough water that covering the can. But the can is intact. You don't open it at all. Yeah, it's intact. You just okay. take the paper and you throw it into water. Okay. Two to three hours. Take it out, open it, and you get dulce de leche. Oh, Caramel. shit. Oh, my days. Yeah. It's the secret recipe of dulce de leche. 
if I oh, had this shit. eight years ago, I could have made Mel my fat friend sooner. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you can just put back on your Corona kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get like a few hundred milliliters of Dolce de Leche by doing that. That well, sounds good. Do you, not have to, do you not have to pierce the can or something so that it doesn't explode when you're no. just heating it up? No. Huh. <laughs> okay. You no is the answer. the can for two to three, two, three hours. Oh, that sounds good. I'm going to try yeah. that. Fuck, yeah. I want to try that, yeah. That's uh, that's the plan for this week, then, uh, is boil some I think condensed that, milk. I think I should never do this skill. This is the best skill so far. I know. It, it's yeah. amazing. I love it. The skill the skill segment can just be good on given recipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, Monroe, congratulations on your engagement. Thanks. Boom. Did she say yes? She did. Yeah, yeah we, yeah, we established that right off the bat. It would have okay. been pretty sad if you'd said you... you proposed to her and she said no but i could have still had my fat friends i mean that that's something that's open to you for life you can always make her your fat friend that's true that's true that that, that door is always open Minor, do you have any parting words you want to use to apologize to mel uh i i'm sorry mel <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so beta of you uh Grylon, do you have any parting words uh wait I'm googling something. <laughs> Mel, Mel should honestly just be relieved that you know she she doesn't have to keep her waist size down for my benefit. Yeah, but you're gonna break up with her if she does. Uh, small, yeah. <laughs> so, so so so. Okay. I have something here. Yeah. It's it's a random quote I just googled. Okay. It's my end. Are you a cake? Because I want a piece of that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, as always, uh, keep on trucking. Goodbye, uh, folks. Peace out. Bye. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. I love it. I'm sorry, Mel. <laughs>